Good evening. Today is April 4th, 2023, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter step is into action step six. And our speaker tonight is Carla H. Thank you, Carla. Thank you so much, Amy and everyone here. Welcome home, everybody. Um, we're so glad to be here together. I'm so grateful to get this opportunity to share on step six. Um, I want to start first with talking about what got me here. It's it's so exciting to think tomorrow is four years since I crawled into my very first OA meeting. So this night, four years ago, I was at the end of the end of the end of my hopelessness, my absolute, all the determination was gone. I was scared literally to death. Um, I had been given a death sentence that I was killing myself. And if I did not make drastic changes, I knew what would be next because I had watched my husband for years die slowly from this disease. I also watched my mother-in-law and both sister-in-laws. This was up close and personal. I knew what the cost of my compulsive eating. Y'all, I was eating every few minutes. I had been doing it for nine years and I could not stop. As scared as I was and actually knowing up front and personal, it wasn't like somebody had to warn me what was ahead. I couldn't stop. And so I finally, to my memory, cried out to a power greater than me, please help me. I can't stop eating. I specifically heard OA. I didn't know what that meant. So I went to my computer. What do we do today? We Google it. So I Googled OA and Overeaters Anonymous came up. I just began to weep. All I knew, I saw the word meeting and there was one the next morning at 9 a.m. And I turned my computer off. I had no idea what Overeaters Anonymous was. All I knew is this was an answer to my hopeless, helpless, faithless condition at that moment. And so when I got here, um, I, I, I went into that meeting and I, I use the word crawl because literally, y'all, I kept driving around the block and I, I would pull up and park and now I take off again. I don't know what I thought they were going to do to me when I got in there, but I was scared witless. Um, I finally did walk in. Two ladies were sitting at a table. And I looked at them. And I said, can y'all please help me? I can't quit eating. And they glanced at each other and they said, you know what, we're going to read the first step in the OA 12 and 12 today. And we read the first step in the OA 12 and 12, and it changed my life forever. I had no idea I was a compulsive overeater. I know that sounds crazy <laughs> because that's what I was doing, but I didn't have a word for it. I had no understanding. I had never been in a 12-step meeting. I didn't know what anything that, that the first step even talked about. I didn't even know there was a step. <laughs> but here's what I did find out that day is that I am a compulsive overeater and that just because I tried every way I knew that my actual willpower was of to no effect and that I had a condition that my body reacted differently to what I was eating. And no matter what I did after I ate that, 
I was going to keep eating. It was like a ton of bricks had been lifted off my shoulders. And so I found out at the end of the meeting that that was a meditation meeting. <laughs> Who knew? And so, you know, I quickly apologized to them that, you know, they they changed their meeting. But I have been to one other meeting like that just recently. I was in a meeting and we had a lot of newcomers. It was a small meeting. And so there was a group conscious that we would read the first step in the OA 12 and 12. And I got to once again experience that feeling of hope when you have no hope and you get here and find out there is a solution and you can get there. <laughs> it's a guarantee. So once I did that, um, I, I look back now at my first time through the steps because it was 20 days before I could find a sponsor. So it was suggested that I just read the OA Brown book and read the stories until I could find a sponsor. So everybody I saw at every meeting I could find, would you be my sponsor? Would you be my sponsor? And there was a one reason or another they couldn't until I found the sponsor that was for me. And I sat across the table from her in a meeting in San Francisco. And when she opened her mouth, I wanted everything she had. She talked about what I was living in and that it was no longer a problem for her, that it never was her problem, it was her solution, but she had found another solution in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so that day she became my sponsor. I used that day as my abstinent date, which is actually May the 25th instead of uh, May the 4th. But, um, but in that, what I realized was every, I knew nothing about that I didn't know anything. So I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know I was a compulsive overeater. I didn't know there was a solution to that. That was a plan of action. I didn't know that not only that, when I got into the steps, I was so consumed still with the food, with what am I going to eat? How am I going to quit eating? Um, what does this look like? What does this even mean? Thank God I got a sponsor who talked to me every single day. And every day we talked about what I was thinking, what I was feeling and what I was doing. And as I was able to communicate that to her, she was able to guide me in the solution to my seemingly hopeless condition. But I was so consumed in the food. Y'all had been, I had been in it for so long. I was 65 when I got here. I had lived a lifetime in my attitudes, opinions and beliefs that had created a prison I was living in. I had no idea. I had no idea that the very beliefs I had, I had no idea that that almost all the food I was eating was an alcoholic food, which guaranteed I was going to keep eating. Once I discovered that and I was able to, and I put those foods down and began this process, suddenly I could think a little bit clearer, but thinking clearer didn't help me. <laughs> I was still so caught up in my own attitudes, belief. Everything I heard in these rooms was contrary to everything I had lived in. And it didn't make sense to me. The things that people were saying didn't make sense. I didn't know what a sponsor was. I didn't know what abstinence was. I didn't know what a higher power was. Yes, I had a, a very strong spiritual uh, relationship with, with what I know now as, as in the rooms we call higher power. But in that relationship, I had this dark place, which was my addiction that I didn't talk about. I didn't even talk to my higher power about it. <laughs> Nobody knew about it, quote unquote, obviously. Everybody could tell by looking at me. 
Um, I've lost 90 pounds, but that's nothing in comparison to what I've lost in my attitudes, beliefs, and opinions that kept me imprisoned. Um, and so I want to talk about the fifth step first before I get into the sixth step because and the fourth step, because the first three steps, I don't even remember. I, all I remember is I had to turn my food over every morning. What was I, how was I going to do that? And then how was I going to eat what I said I was going to eat? My sponsor had only one request. Tell me what you're going to do, say what you're going to do, and then do what you say. That was it. You tell me you're going to eat this. You just eat that. I'm, that's our the basis of honesty, right? I couldn't imagine. It would take me an hour and a half to figure out what I was going to tell her. Because once I told her, that's what I had to eat that day. And y'all, I wanted to eat what I wanted to eat, when I wanted to eat it, and how I wanted to eat it. So what's this accountability stuff? That was such a foreign concept among many. So when I got to the fourth step, we were working the steps out of the big book. And the fourth step, I read the words, the warning against morbid reflection. I read that in there. But as everything that I read originally in the big book, I thought I already knew exactly what it was talking about. And I saw morbid, I thought, oh, I don't have to worry about morbid reflection because that's for people that are like in deep depression and they don't, you know, they don't have, they don't know what's going on. You know, that's not me. <laughs> well, little did I know um, until the second time I went through the steps and actually looked up what morbid reflection means. And morbid reflection means focusing on negative events and experiences. Oh my gosh. I lived the first time, my, my first fourth step, I was in such regret, remorse, and shame that I could barely function through the rest of the steps. When I got to my fifth step and after my first fifth step, when I read to my sponsor, this autobiography that I had written out, oh my gosh, I, it was, it was hard for me to look at her in the eye every Saturday morning after that at our meeting that we went to face to face because I had so much guilt, shame, and remorse. And then I came to the sixth step and said, we were, um, it says exactly, we're, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Well, of course, I wanted God to remove everything because I was this horrible, horrible person that had done all these things. And, um, and so, of course, I was ready. What, but was I? I didn't even know. See, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I worked this step the first time to the best that I knew how at the time. And at the time, I just began there believing that I was going to get help, that God was going to save me from myself. So not only am I in this hopeless condition that I have to have a power greater than me because I have no power against the food or against a brain that doesn't think correctly. So I have this brain that's not healthy. I believe that a lie is the truth. And then I convince myself absolutely that it's okay to go back and eat again after I already know and have proven for years that I can't do that. So in this condition I'm in, I still don't know how I made it until my second time through the steps, except just by some grace as I got here and an accountability to a sponsor that kept me abstinent. I, it wasn't that I was relieved of anything. I begin, fortunately, I'm alone. So I am a widow. My husband did pass from this disease uh, now nine years ago. And so living alone, I was able to, to um, have the foods around me that I could eat. 
and I didn't have to have the foods around me that I couldn't eat. <laughs> so in that way, only I, and, and you call it white knuckling. Absolutely. That's what I was doing. I was just specifically eating what I could eat in, in my accountability to my sponsor. And so um, I got through the 12 steps um, only by divine intervention. And, um, and then I went on, I, you know, it was time for me to sponsor. Well, I was so unsteady. Y'all, I still did not know. As I look back on it now, I really do believe I was in some kind of shock that first seven months that it took me to go through the steps because there was so much new information coming in that I couldn't unlearn fast enough to relearn. So I was just in this flux all the time. And, um, and so then I started a year-long workshop where we go through the big book um, over a year in the steps. And I began to sit in the steps long enough to actually have an experience. So the very first step, I was able to stay there long enough to actually experience what that hopelessness is. If I have a body that doesn't react normal to, to many, many foods, and I have a brain that doesn't think clearly, I can't see reality clearly, then I'm pretty much hopeless. But there is a power greater than me that can open my mind. And I learned the set aside prayer that I call the set aside lifestyle, where I ask that power to set aside what I think I know and to open my mind to a new way of thinking. And then I think, and I get ideas that I'd never gotten before. So when I got that time, I worked the fourth step over my guilt, remorse, and shame. And I just want, I can't explain it except to say that nothing in my past has changed. But everything I believe about my past has changed. It I can't I can't explain it. But my brain, the way I the way I think now, the way I believe has changed. And in those beliefs, I still see those. Um, you know, I'm now soon to be 70. I'm 69 now. And in that period of time, I'm not the same person I was, but I can't explain it to you. I, you can't get where I am today from where I started y'all, but here I am. And so when I got to the sixth step, that second time around, miraculous, and then the reason I use miracle is because it doesn't make sense. But here's what I did. I was given a list um, of character traits, thank God, because in my, in my own reasoning and my own imaginings of my character traits, uh, my character I call them defaults that I go into automatically without really planning to. It's just the way I've always been, quote unquote, never imagined I could actually change. And I can't, but I was changed. And so um, what I did this time is I actually got a list so I could get some, some ideas of, of those instincts gone awry, as the big book talks about, where uh, my, my um, anger, fear, and dishonesty my instincts of fight, flight, and freeze, right? And so what did those look like in me? And so the beautiful thing was, um, not only was I given some words so that I could put together to see myself, but I was also given a process to go through those. And so first was naming it. What is that character defect? What is that default that I go into? And then what is my behavior once that character defect that effect comes on me and then 
what am I defending when I do that? And y'all, I think I, I can best describe in my mind, I think of is, is um, Taekwondo, right? So in Taekwondo, you have this bow, which is a big stick <laughs> and you put five, it in front of you. Five, five minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. That went much faster. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to leave that story for another day. I just want to give you an example of how I did this. So then once I, once I, I figure out what, what is it that I'm defending? And I was always fighting everybody and everything. I was always defending because I was always right. And then what is the opposite? So what I would do is I would list my character defect. And then I looked up every word in that so that I could actually understand what I meant when I said that. So then I would go from that word to every opposite word. And then I would look up every opposite word. As I did that, I began to get, and I would take this into my morning practice every day. I would begin to get a picture of this is what I do. This is how I act when I do that. Here's the opposite. Now I'm going to take that into my morning practice and ask a power greater than me. What would that look like? Because I didn't know any different. If I did, I would have had a choice to do something different. I never believed I could change. I was the way I was. I said that all the time. It's just the way I am. Take it or leave it, right? So as I did that, I began to see things that I could practice. And this is just a daily practice. You know, time is not one of our tools. Four years later, I'm still a compulsive overeater. I still am human. I have human emotions and I have reactions that come on me without me considering them. They're defaults that I go into based on 65 years before I got here. Four years is a very short period of time in comparison to 65. I have so much farther to go and so much more to be aware of. The awareness that comes to me daily as I sit with a power greater than me, asking that my mind be directed and then to consider my day. And then at the end of my day, I consider my day again. And if, if reality is, reality is God's will, I look at that reality and who am I to question what the will of a higher power is? You know, I used to think I already knew that. <laughs> I prayed accordingly. I directed accordingly, accordingly, and I stayed resentful accordingly to what I believe should be going on. So that's how I did my sixth step. And in my sixth step, I began to see that I have gifts that have gone askew, that I have um, ways of, of doing things that can be improved that I never thought of. And so as I began to get these new ideas, all of a sudden, that gives me a different choice in the heat of the moment when something comes up that disturbs me. I know it's because I have a belief that it should be different. And so because of that belief, I, I react accordingly. And now I can have a one minute pause. I set a one minute timer. I breathe for one minute with my eyes shut. I write down the first thing that comes to my mind once that one minute timer goes off and then I take an action. But I wanna end um, with this. First of all, and I already said to y'all, welcome home. So. I get that from a meeting I went to in the very beginning, a lady met me at the door and said, welcome home. We have been waiting for you and we saved you a seat. This woman took me to the seat and she said, and, and, and she saved me a seat every day until she moved from San Francisco. That was a game changer for me when I got here. 
Y'all, I had, I knew no one. I knew nothing. I'm sure the things I said in meetings, people kind of just went, oh God, it's okay. She's new. She doesn't know any different. So, um, but I want to, and I want to read this to you and then I want to make an offer. So this real quickly, is called My Medallion. I always carry my medallion, a simple reminder to me of the fact that I'm in recovery no matter where I may be. This little chip is not magic, nor is it good luck charm. It isn't supposed to protect me from every possible harm. It's not meant for comparison or for all the world to see. It's simply an understanding between my higher power and me. Whenever I doubt the cost I paid for recovery, I look at my medallion to remember what used to be. And this is the medallion. It's the welcome coin of, of Readers Anonymous. And it has the um, I put my hand in yours and together we can do what we could never do alone. If you want one of these and don't have one, if you haven't been to an in-person meeting and gotten a welcome coin, I would love to send you one. Just put your name and address in, in a chat to me. I'll be glad to send it to you. And this poem, I only heard this today. And so then when I was asked to speak, I thought, yeah, I know what I'm going to say at the end. This is, you know, is it odd or is it God? It's a higher power that does for me every day what I can't do for myself. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you for allowing me to share. And I'm just so grateful that I found the solution. Thank you all so much. Awesome. I keep forgetting I do this part. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions over three minute shares, as this is a big book study. Sharing questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week, which is into action step six. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share, ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone. I'm the Zoom host, which is me. We'll call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Uh, will the timekeeper please set a time for three minutes for each share and announce when time's up. If the speaker has asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Awesome. So Amy, please go ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Amy. Al, thank you, everybody doing service at this meeting. Thank you, Carla. Welcome home, Carla. I love you what your service your light your everything this offer at the end but i don't want to talk anymore i want to hear the taekwondo story so that's the question okay so uh my son was in taekwondo and so he had this bow which was a big stick that they used to defend themselves and so when I started seeing my character defects of how defensive I always am, I take everything personal and immediately I get in this stance so that whatever comes my way is coming to me that I have to defend myself. And so I'm envisioned standing there with that stick every in every circumstance. I've got to defend myself. And so when I learned to lay that stick down and what I literally envision now is I don't need a, I don't need a boa. I don't need that stick anymore. I don't need to hold that in front of everybody. I don't need to defend myself. I don't have to fight anybody or anything. So that's, that's the story I was going to tell you. Thanks, Amy. Thank you, Carla, for sharing. Amy, please go ahead. You should be able to unmute yourself. Amy, right? 
Yes, I'm a the other Amy in California. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much, Carla. Um, it's funny, I, I, I'm probably going to misquote the speaker last night on the same step, but something like, you know, prayers to God are thank you, help, and wow. And that's what I felt when I heard you. I just felt, wow, you know, that, that you, you know, that, that transformation is so powerful when we come into the rooms and we see that and we can't deny it. And then when we see how we, I remember coming in and, you know, always feeling like the outsider, but then people were sharing just like me. And so it's that combination of seeing myself, seeing my bottom in others' bottom, but also seeing this miracle of transformation. And I was reading something this morning. Um, I sometimes like to read something on the step we're going through, step six. And I read, um, you know, these, these defects or defaults, as you said, we we are powerless over them the same way as food and we don't get to relieve ourselves of course and in this book it said and this is a well-known book on six and seven that you know I can't I can't whip myself or shame myself or you know out of my character defects we cannot open a flower with a sledgehammer and I love that image because I will do that I will be that sledgehammer and I loved how you said we you know we learn about our instincts instincts and the behaviors that follow and then we ask what is it I am defending and yes we have to be willing to loosen our grip and Thank, just thank you so much. Thank you, um, everyone doing service. Kathy, Vaughn, Heidi, Carla, Amy B. And we will need a closing reader at the end. Thank you all for being here together. I pass. Thank you, Amy, for also doing service. Uh, Yvonne, please go ahead. Thank you, Yvonne A., still a recovered compulsive overeater, Carla. I just love every time I hear you. You came here and you said, oh, I don't know how much more I can say. You just mesmerize me every time. Your energy is fantastic. Uh, you draw us all in. Uh, you always start by saying welcome home. And I don't know if I've ever met anyone who is as welcoming as you are. It is like coming in the room and getting a big, huge hug. So thank you for that. Um, I related to so much of your story. I too knew nothing when I came here. It's like, I, you know, I'd heard about 12-step programs, AA, obviously, but I had no idea um, what that actually meant, what the 12 steps were, what I was going to be doing. I didn't know I had a physical, you know, allergy or an obsession of the mind. I knew I had problems with food. I didn't know I had a spiritual malady. That was a mind blower. It's like, what? What? I didn't know how blocked I was from my higher power. I, I had no recollection of that. 
Um, I didn't know my character defects. I was pretty sure that I was an awesome person, really nice, honest as the day was long, you know, all those sayings. And so that was all a shock too. And I found out that maybe all those things I believed about myself actually weren't truths. Um, didn't know some of the core beliefs that I held that were really messing me up, that like life was going to be fair. No, you know what? Life isn't fair. We get dealt what we get dealt. And that's what we have to play with. Um, the belief that if I wasn't right, then I was wrong. And that meant I was a bad person. I actually believe that. Like I went from, I, if I'm not right, then I am bad. That was a, a direct uh, highway in my brain. And like you, I'm 60 years old now. And so 60 years of doing it that way is hard. I'm about a year in. So I, you know, you, like you're, you're uh, eons ahead of me. I, I'm just getting started myself. So, um, and I love the idea of the opposite of finding that opposite of what my default is and bringing that into my mind um, when I'm having that experience. I'm going to try and do that with some of my stuff. I do pause. I do talk uh, with my higher power, but I love that idea. So thank you for that. Um, and I just wanted to wrap by saying, yeah, I have this new uh, favorite ac acronym, Q-TIP, uh, quit taking it personally, because that is huge for me. I... I am sure that, you know, like I come up with crazy stuff. If somebody here, I see them like roll their eyes when I think they might have been pointed at me on the screen. I'm like checking my hair. It's like, I'm sure they're thinking something about me, right? So um, anyways, um, thank you so much for speaking to us on step six. It was absolutely beautiful. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Yvonne. Heidi, please go ahead. Thank you. I um, I have to echo what everyone has already said. Um, such a gorgeous share. Thank you, Carla, so much. Thank you for your service and your willingness and just the bright, bright energy that you bring. Um, such a gorgeous smile, uh, always, all the time. Um, so thank you. Um, and there was just so much that you said that was so wonderful. Um, I think earlier in your share, you said... Um, you were talking about um, your, uh, I wrote it down, attitudes, opinions, and beliefs that, that kept you in, in prison. And, um, or maybe you didn't say prison, but that's what I thought of. And I thought of, um, you've probably seen it, uh, the cartoon um, that begins as a um, close-up of a guy behind bars. And then in the next slide, you see um, it zoomed out. And he's holding the bars where there's nothing around him. And that just, you know, that's exactly what my um, defects of character, defaults of character do, right? Is just, I keep myself, I keep myself imprisoned. Um, uh, you know, I've heard it said, like, in order for there to be um, a prisoner, that there has to be the prisoner and the guard. And my thinking is the guard. My thinking keeps me there. Um, and so it was just, thank you for reminding me of that. Um, and this is a, you know, this six and seven are the lifelong thing, right? Like, this is it. This is where it's at. You know, we do, we do all the work to see where we're being blocked um, and to remove those blocks so that we can, um, grow spiritually, 
um, for me in tiny, tiny, tiny increments, <laughs> very, very, very slowly, hopefully for the rest of my life. Um, so just grateful that I was here. And thanks again for your share. Thank you for sharing, Heidi. Francesca, please go ahead. Thank you, Zach. Thank you for your service. Uh, Francesca, compulsive freedom and bulimic. Thank you so much, Carla. Yeah, I feel like a broken record um, in the best way possible. Like just yes, yes to everyone. So much yes to you. I was late and I still like just feel like I was just surged with energy. Like I was just plugged into this like incredible just recovery like and um yeah I love what was said about attraction rather than promotion it's like just showing like the miracle that this program um has to offer um I, I had a question for you so um I've heard people share about how their higher power God like just does things for them like they got this job opportunity and it just happened or they met someone or got a house and it's just like synchronicities and I'm kind of envious of that because I'm like, I don't know how like they're like, I, and so, um, as someone who just seems to be connected, um, I was just wondering how, like, perhaps what your morning practice looks like or, or what those synchronicities, um, are like for you or how, um, you, you cultivate a, a higher power personal in your life or anywhere you want to go with that. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Francesca. Okay. Well, first I want to tell you something that was told to me. What you see is what you get. And so what you're looking for is what you're going to find. So, so much of, of my experience is what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for, I, I'm coming from the lens that I have a higher power that goes before me, comes behind me and has a hand on me right? So I'm looking for where are those things in my life? You know, okay, is it a coincidence? Doesn't everybody drive down the street and get a green light and a red light? <laughs> yeah, we got a red light, we stop. Oh, why did I get a red light, right? Okay, but the point is, it's what we're looking for. What difference is it if the light's red? That just means I'm going to, it's going to be, you know, and I have timed it before because I would get so frustrated. Okay. Two minutes I have been sitting here in this red light, but I'm delayed. So first of all, I'll just start with what you see is what you get. And so my intention, you know, it doesn't matter what I say. If you want to know what I believe, you look at my feet. What am I doing? Because I can talk a good talk all day, but what does my life look like? So if I really do believe I'm powerless, I start my day with the power greater than me. So I start my day with the intention, God direct my thinking. As I walk my day out is the, is the expression that I've come up with. For, so as I walk out my day, I'm trusting that my intention is still what it was this morning, which was one, to be abstinent, two, to be, and, and I pray, God, may your will and mine be one. That keeps me in a position of being changed. I used to say, God, may your will not mine be done with a clenched fist. Your will is going to be done, but I'm not going to like it. <laughs> right. So when I heard at a meeting, a lady say that, God, may your will and mine be one. What I realized in that moment was that's my intention. I want to keep myself in a place to be changed. 
And then I do read a lot of literature. I'm really into literature. So I do read literature in the morning. And then I have a, a meditation time where I write. And I write, um, it's it's called by a lot of people, two-way prayer. So I, I write from my higher power to me. Now that sounds, I mean, it sounds really egotistical. <laughs> First time I did it, I went, oh, how dare me act like I'm writing from my higher power. But I just did it, right? It's one of those suggestions doesn't make sense but I just started doing it. Now, when I read what I wrote, I know I didn't write it because it's words I don't even use. <laughs> and so there are so many times I have to look a word up and go, where did that even come from? You know, and I've heard people say, your higher power is in the pen. You just start writing. And then when you read it, you go, I don't even know who wrote that. It came out of my hand. But, and so that's what I do in the mornings to connect is just my intention. What is my intention? I set my intention upon awakening. I am a compulsive overeater. Time's not a tool. So every morning I wake up that day. So what, am my, what is my intention to be abstinent today? How am I going to do that? I don't know how to, I'm going to walk that out. But I have the intention and believe that a power greater than me is going to direct me. And what am I looking for? I'm looking for direction all day long. What I see is what I get. So I'm going to see direction in everything. So when you hear people say, hey, and my higher power did this and he did that or she did that, they did this, you know, the wind did that, okay who's to say they did or didn't, right? So it's whatever lens. And so I just try to put that lens on that I'm looking for my higher power in everything I do. And that's what I see. So, and that was probably more than three minutes. Sorry. <laughs>